Hi-ho, Tudor-minded people. It's Philadelphia Carrie for Tudor Time Machine. The word I share with you this week is air. I will tell you, I must prepare myself to go on progress ere the season turns to the warmth of summer. My magnificent Elizabeth often goes on progress. She is so kind to those death-smeared drudges some call her subjects. She allows, nay, invites them to cast an eye on her person. She does indeed. And she often rides horseback, so those who are short-sighted and squinty-eyed can easily witness her beauty as a salve for their vision. Did her odious sister Mary ever do such a thing? Though that woman called herself queen, she did not share herself with her subjects as Gloriana is wont to. It is true that some courtiers and groomsmen and ladies-in-waiting and cooks and stable-boys and maids complained of long days, heavy baggage, and of missing their little lice-ridden offspring. But they were very wrong to give voice to their dismal complaints. As Elizabeth Regina progresses, her castle is reborn, cleaned and polished and perfected. And does not our Elizabeth deserve a lodging fit for a queen? She does indeed. <laughs> Air. How now, Tudor Files, what think you? If you're new here, I'm Gage. I'm Jessica. And we're here with Philadelphia Carey for Tudor Word of the Week. Don't miss a word and listen to the Tudor Time Machine Story Project. So diverting. And I pray bid you tell a ningle and ring the little YouTube bell. Do -do 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 -do. Tudor Files, thank you for listening. Every one of you has the wit of Rosalind and the heart of Cordelia. And don't be shy about writing to Philadelphia on YouTube or suggesting words. We always love hearing from our listeners. So how do you spell our tutor word, Philadelphia? Uh, it is spelled E-R-E. -E. Even with your poor spelling facility, dear Ningle Gage, you could manage this one. Oh, dear Philadelphia, you know nothing of the misspelling mind. I could easily spell it A-I-R or even A-I-R-E. Or there are more perfectly reasonable misspellings, E-R-R, er, or if you want to be fancy, er. It's a little different, but it's a possibility. But this er, E-R-E, -E, means before or before in time. You might say, ere Elizabeth reigned, Mary was queen. Oh, speak no more. Those words like daggers enter into my ears. Quoting Shakespeare does not make it any less true. Mary was queen before Elizabeth. Philadelphia, don't be such a hater. Mary had so much in common with Elizabeth, and I'm pretty sure they shared some sympathy for each other. They were both rejected by their father, Henry VIII. They were both named bastards at some point. Both of them lost their mothers. And on the other side, they were both very well-educated women. They both had a close relationship with Henry's last wife, the very educated Catherine Parr. Those words are maggots to my brain. Catherine Parr never cared for Mary Tudor. Philadelphia Catherine Parr met Henry VIII when Catherine was serving in Princess Mary's household. That was about 1542, and after she married Henry, Catherine Parr seemed to really enjoy her role as stepmother. She was good to all of the king's children from his previous wives. She was good to Edward, Elizabeth, and Mary. Because Elizabeth lived with Catherine after Henry's death, I think people assume there was a very, very special relationship there. 
But Mary was the older child, and she inherited at least three estates and was granted a couple of castles. So she had many places to live. Edward obviously didn't live with her because he was busy being king. Catherine Parr did not care the most for Elizabeth. She cared the most for Prince Edward. She cared for Prince Edward more than any of the other children. Ah, ah, Edward. Why do you say that? He was a boy, a male, a son of Adam. And he was king. He was worthy. But was he a good king? You are a flippity gibbet with your nonsensical queries. Catherine Parr loved Prince Edward. And next she adored Princess Elizabeth. And next she could easily cast Mary aside. I think you know you are dissembling, Philadelphia. And to that point, we have a letter from September 20th, 1544, after Henry and Catherine Parr are married, that Catherine Parr wrote to Mary, and it's very warm and kind. And it uses our word of the week, air. Why don't you read it, Philadelphia? Pitikins, must I? You must. Very well. Although, most noble and dearest lady, there are many reasons that easily induce my writing to you at this time, yet nothing so greatly moves me thereto as my concern for your health, which, as I hope, is very good, so am I greatly desirous to be assured thereof. Wherefore, I dispatch to you this messenger, who will be, I judge, most acceptable to you, not only from his skill in music, in which you, I am well aware, take as much delight as myself, but also because, having long sojourned with me, he can give the most certain information of my whole estate and health. And, in truth, I have had it in mind before this to have made a journey to you and salute you in person, but all things do not correspond with my will. Now, however, I hope this winter, and that ere long, that being nearer, we shall meet. Then which, I assure you, nothing can be to me more agreeable and more to my heart's desire. Now, since, as I have heard, the finishing touch, as far as the translation is concerned, is given by Mallet to Erasmus's work upon John, and naught now remains but that proper care and vigilance should be taken in revising. I entreat you to send over to me this very excellent and useful work, now amended by Mallet, or some of your people, that it may be committed to the press in due time, and further, to signify whether you wish it to go forth to the world most auspiciously, under your name, or as the production of an unknown writer. To which work you will, in my opinion, do a real injury if you refuse to let it go down to posterity under the auspices of your own name, since you have undertaken so much labour in accurately translating it for the great good of the public, and would have undertaken still greater, as is well known, if the health of your body had permitted. And since all the world knows that you have toiled and laboured much in this business, I do not see why you should repudiate that praise which all men justly confer on you. However, I leave this whole matter to your discretion, and whatever resolution you may adopt, that will meet my fullest approbation. For the purse, which you have sent me as a present, I return you great thanks. I pray God, the greatest and best of beings, that he deign to bless you uninterruptedly with true and 
unalloyed happiness. May you long farewell in him. From Hanworth, 20th of September, most devotedly and lovingly yours, Catherine the Queen. Hmm. From this I take that Mary was sickly and that Queen Catherine Parr had excellent manners, that is all. But this letter is so affectionate. Catherine really wants Mary to claim her authorship of this work she's done. I don't know. I find that so moving. Hmm. I believe she says that Mary could have worked a little bit harder if she had been stronger. Stronger in health like my Elizabeth. This letter is flattery, flattery, flattery and nothing more. You are just stuck on this idea that Catherine did not like Mary. Well, why let a primary source influence your opinion? Right, Philadelphia? People don't want to let primary sources influence them now either. Then is now. The present heir, the past. That is a silly statement and I am peeved. Very peeved. And I command you must bring me what you call donuts ere I return. For you have vexed me and I will not return ere you make amends. All right, I will bring you a donut. Would you like it powdered? No, powder is for the hair. I shall have a raspberry cream donut, or none at all. So give heed to the files. Be witty wordsmiths. Bring 16th century sauce to your vocabulary with air. Listen in next time. Don't miss a word. Subscribe on YouTube and give me a like. Music